Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, church. Today we are diving right back into the story of Elijah after a two-week break. We are in this series called Lemonade, How to Sweeten the Sour Seasons. And if you have your Bibles, hope you do, and maybe a Bible app, go ahead and open those up. We're gonna be in 1 Kings, the book of 1 Kings in your Old Testament, chapters 18 and 19. But before we go there, I wonder how we, how, how each of us as individuals would define our current state of being, like body, mind, soul, and spirit. How you doing? How would you define you? Which of the following options might you choose, energized or exhausted? Top of the world or tired? Supercharged or spent? Are you killing it or getting killed? Stimulated or sapped of strength? Motivated or mostly drained? Or how about some middle ground options? Where would you place yourself on the following scale? Are you energized, like you are ready to roll? Or maybe you say, well, I'm not energized, but I'm pretty active. I'm pretty active. That's where I am. Or Not even active. I'm just okay. Or maybe you would say, well, I'm not even okay. I am just exhausted. I wonder how many of you would have a different answer every day. Right now, I'd probably place myself somewhere between active and okay with some days I'm really energized and then some days I'm really exhausted. Anybody with me? In fact, right now, I am in the middle of a six-week challenge at my gym called Summer Beach Body. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Because you probably know what I know, and that is at this stage of my life, the very best I can probably hope for is halfway decent dad bod. (laughs) But I'm having fun, and I'm putting in the work. And so my alarm goes off at 5.10 a.m. every morning, quick shower to wake me up. My first exercise class of the day is 5.50 a.m., 45 minutes of high-intensity interval training followed by a two-mile run. Go home, jump in the pool for a few minutes of recovery, shower, get to the office by 8 a.m., put in a good day of work here, and then back to the gym for 45 more minutes of high-intensity interval training, followed by another two-mile run. And my... (laughs) My morning workouts energize me. My evening workouts exhaust me. But you know, I'm putting in the work five days a week, trying to reserve two days a week for rest. But here's what I've discovered. The harder it gets, the more I need to rest. 
couple of months ago, I was, I was working hard at the gym, and to be honest, I really wasn't getting results, and so I was like, I gotta work harder, and I started working harder, and I still wasn't getting the results, and so I started working even harder, and, and I still wasn't getting the results I was looking for, and I was talking to my coaches, and they said, well, what days are you resting and recovering? Seems like you're here every day, and, and I said, well, I'm trying to get better results, so I can't afford to take any time off, and they said, listen up you're tearing your body down. That's what these exercises do. But you have to rest and recover so that your body can heal back up. They said this, if you don't rest and recover, you won't get the results you are looking for. So let me just repeat a couple of the lessons I've been learning at the gym. If you don't rest and recover, you won't get the results you're looking for. And this, the harder you work, or even the harder things get, the more you need to rest. Well, as I mentioned, we're in this sermon series from the life of Elijah in the Old Testament. The series is called Lemonade, How to Sweeten the Sour Seasons, and we've been discovering a number of new things. We've been discovering that Elijah is one of the most important characters in the entire Bible. After Jesus and Moses, Elijah might be the third most significant figure in all of Scripture. In fact, we've drawn a lot of parallels between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, I mean, they all began their ministries in the wilderness. They are the three primary miracle workers in the Bible. They all faced off against kings and empires. In the New Testament record of the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah visited Jesus from heaven, likely to give him final instructions that awaited, uh, on what awaited him on his last trip to Jerusalem, including the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then in Matthew chapter 16, if you know that story, you know, some of Jesus' own followers thought that Jesus was Elijah reincarnated. And so Elijah is one of the most significant people in all of the Bible, but, but we don't really talk about him much, and I think we should. And so we are fixing that with this series. Now, the truth is, Elijah lived during an exceedingly hard season in the history of Israel. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they were rotten to the core. They codified into law the worship of the Canaanite gods Baal and Asherah in Israel. Baal was the god of rain and Asherah was the goddess of fertility. And the men, they worshiped these gods by sleeping with prostitutes in the temple. Now you can just imagine how oppressive this was for women. And with the disease rampant, dangerous for all. But it was like this, sorry honey, gotta sleep with her. Our religion says so. Of course, it was a tremendous insult to the one true God, the God of the Bible, who delivered the people from uh, the, delivered the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage centuries earlier and had made them into the, in the great nation. And so God, in response, God used Elijah to stop the rain, causing a drought and a famine. And yet the people of Israel said, but we like the Baal cult. We want to worship Baal. We want to worship Asherah. We want to participate in all the, the things it involves. And so, as I said, God disrupted the very thing for which the Israelites worshiped Baal and Asherah, which was the rain and the crops. And God did this, yes, to prove to the people that Baal and Asherah were false gods, but more importantly, what he was really doing is he was calling his people 
back to himself. Unfortunately, the people were not listening. Where we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 18, it tells us the drought and the famine had persisted for three years. And yet the people of Israel continued to worship these false gods. And so now God sent Elijah. And I remember he'd been hiding in the wilderness for a year. And then he was hiding in the region of Sidon. He sends Elijah back to Israel to further demonstrate God's total supremacy and to further disprove the existence of Baal and Asherah. And once again, if we try to get in the mind of Elijah, Elijah had to be thinking, really, God, are you serious? You're moving me again? I mean, you told me to publicly condemn Ahab and Jezebel and to announce the drought and the famine, and I did, which made me public enemy number one, and, and then you told me you would take care of me by sending me into the wilderness while I was isolated, I was alone for an entire year, but you promised I could drink from the brook, and, and you'd send birds with food every morning and every night night, which you did, but then due to the drought, you caused God, the brook ran dry, and so you sent me to Sidon, which is the home country of my enemy, Queen Jezebel, and that was no picnic, and now you're what? You're sending me back to Israel to directly confront King Ahab again? Are you serious? You know they're going to kill me, right? But as we learned in the first two sermons, Elijah trusted and obeyed. And we learned that's what we are supposed to do in our sour seasons as well. Week number one, our big idea was in sour seasons, when life is sour, trust God. Week number two, when life is sour, obey God. Today, our big idea is this. When life is sour, rest in God. When life is sour, rest in God in God. Now, Elijah will rest, but first, things will get harder. God calls Elijah to challenge Ahab to a competition, and this is no summer beach body competition. This is a fight to the death between the prophet Elijah and the priests of Baal and Asherah. First Kings chapter 18, verses 17 through 24 says, when Ahab saw Elijah, now Elijah had been in hiding for a while, right? When Ahab, when King Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and you have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. And then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and I will put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all the people said, what you say is good. Now, this is a big competition. Competition between the gods. 
Elijah challenges Ahab to agree to the competition and Ahab agrees and then Elijah challenges the people to follow whichever God proves himself to them and the people agree and here's how it will be done. They'll sacrifice two bulls, one to Baal and to Asherah, the other to Yahweh, the creator of the universe, the God of the Bible, but they won't light either sacrifice on fire. They will pray for their gods to light the fire. And so Elijah, he allows the, the priests of Baal and Asherah to go first. 1 Kings 18, 26 says that, that they prayed first from, from morning until noon. They asked Baal to light the sacrifice on fire. But when there was no response, they began to do ritual dances all around the altar, but, but still nothing, no response, not a single thing. And this, from my perspective, this is where the story gets fun. Because we're about to discover that Elijah is the OT, He's the original troll. It gets really humorous as Elijah starts trolling them and their gods. Verse 27 says, at noon, Elijah begins to, what? Taunt them. Oh, shout louder, he said. Surely Baal is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on vacation. He's traveling. Maybe he's asleep. And he needs to be awakened. But still nothing happens. And, and they continued their ritual dancing until evening. They were even cutting themselves and they were harming themselves. And they were hoping that it would get Baal's attention. But to no avail. No response from Baal. Why? Well, because Baal's not real. And now it's evening and it's Elijah. It's Elijah's turn. And boy, does Elijah continue to troll the prophet's and priests of Baal in view of Ahab and in view of perhaps thousands of Israelite people watching on, Elijah continues to taunt them. He says, you know, before we ask the Lord, the God of Israel, to light the sacrifice on fire, let's just cover it with water. Let's see what that does. And so it says they gathered these four large water jars and they, they pour all four over the altar and over the sacrifice bowl. And then Elijah says, you know what? Just for good measure, let's do it again. And so they, they do it again. He says, you know what? Let's, just, let's do it again. And so they do it again. He says, oh, one more time. Let's do it again. And, and they, they did it again. And verse, 1 Kings 18, verses 36 through 40 says this. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant. I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that, Lord, you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil and licked up all the water that they had poured over it. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. And they seized them and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Bam, the true God shows up and he defeats the myth of the false gods and then the people's hearts, at least for a moment, the people's hearts were turned back to God. And Elijah, and, and listen, this is exactly what you would expect to see with ancient Near Eastern justice. 
Elijah commands the people to put the priests of Baal and Asherah to the sword, and they do. False gods defeated, false prophets killed. This was an incredible victory for Elijah. And what do you do after an incredible victory? What do you do? You celebrate. Here in Florida, we've had a few world championships in a few different sports these last few years, right? So you know what this is about? Like they celebrate, right? You, you dance and you, you scream and you, you lie in the streets and you sing that song by Queen, We Are the Champions. Well, that's not exactly what happened here. But something good did happen. First Kings chapter 18, verse 45 says this. It says, the sky grew black with clouds and the wind rose and the heavy rain started falling for the first time in three years. Drought over. And you'd think that the things would get better for Elijah, right? Nope. First Kings chapter 19 tells us that Ahab, he's angry, he goes home to his wife Jezebel, tells her everything has happened, and then after that, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel ordered that Elijah be executed. Verses three through nine. Elijah was what? Afraid. And so he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom brush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And, and he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up and, and he ate and he drank and he was strengthened by that food and he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave. And what'd he do? He went to sleep. By this point in the story, we want the victory for Elijah. Like we want him to finish this journey. We wanna see a happily ever after, right? But at least for now, it's not to be. So what I want us to do is I want to just review for a moment his situation and his state of mind. His situation is danger and his state of mind is fear. And so what does he do? He, he runs for his life and he is absolutely exhausted. In fact, he's been exhausted for years and he is still exhausted. Constant fear and stress and relentless movement. And, and where did that lead for Elijah? Well, we just read it in the text. It led to depression and, and, and suicidal thoughts even. Take my life, God, Elijah prayed. I have had it. I've had enough. Enough. Life is no good. I am no good. And everybody is awful. And I just wonder this morning if you've ever been there. Ever had to live with fear? 
What will the diagnosis be? Will my spouse leave me? Will we ever get out of this sour season? Constant fear, stress, and relentless movement will lead to exhaustion, even depression. And depression unaddressed and untreated can lead to terrible things. Broken relationships, broken careers, bad choices, even suicide and death. And if that's you today, we just wanna be very clear and we wanna say this, we wanna say God loves you and so do we. And if that's you, let us know. I want you to know we will pray for you and we will not shame you and we will help you get the help you need, spiritual help for sure, prayers absolutely, encouragement as often as possible. But I wanna say this, Clinical depression needs more than prayers. It needs clinical treatment. And we'll encourage you there too. And if you're struggling with clinical depression and suicidal thoughts, I want you to hear me clearly. I am not saying, well, just trust and obey Jesus and get some rest and you'll get better. No, you also need a doctor and a therapist and perhaps medicine. And we will support you in that because we love you. We want you to thrive. We don't want you just to survive. We want you to thrive even in the sour seasons. But there's others of you who are also scared and you're also run ragged and you're also stressed and it may not be clinical and you may not need a doctor, but you might just need to do one of the very first things we ever see God doing in the Bible. Now, I've heard this said a number of times and I think it's true. Sometimes the most godly thing you can do is take a nap. Now, Elijah, he didn't have access to a doctor or to a therapist or to antidepressants, but God did send an angel to encourage him and God did send food to strengthen him. And ultimately in this story, story what we see where we leave off today, we see Elijah asleep. He slept. We see him rest. In fact, there are three things we see him do to address the stress and the exhaustion in his life. And I'll give them to you real quick. We see him, number one, get away. He got away. He moved as far as possible from the source of stress. Second thing we see him do, number two, we see him get fueled. He fueled up. He ate food, drank what he needed to drink. It was a gift of God, it refueled him. And then number three, we see him get some sleep. And I think there's so much good there for us. You know, when I think about getting away, getting fueled and getting sleep, uh, right now I have to think about Pastor Gary. Now, if you are our guest today, Pastor Gary Cox has been our lead pastor here since the 1990s, and we're in this ministry transition right now. He's, he's 65 years old this year, and, and he's moving into a different role, and I'm transitioning into the lead pastor role. And right now, Gary and Linda, they're on a two-month vacation, a wonderful, well-earned road trip across the entire country. And I just wonder how many of you today, how many of you miss Pastor Gary and Linda? I'm sure we all miss Linda more. 
You know, they, they worship with us online, and I think we should give them a big round of applause right now to let them know how much we miss them. They have been faithfully serving FCC for 33 years. Gary's been our lead pastor since the 1990s, and you know what they're doing? They're being a really good example for the rest of us. They're getting away, getting refueled. They're resting, and I miss them, but I'm so happy for them. I'm excited to see them come back rested and and recharged and ready to love on us some more and continue to lead in new and different ways as God leads them. What an example for us. You know, many of us need to do the same. We've been through a lot of difficult things the past few years. In one way or another, it has been a sour season for all of us. And something we can do whenever possible is get away, get fueled, and get some rest. In the Genesis story of creation, what happened? God created for six days, right? And then what did he do on the seventh day? God rested. So it's kind of like the guy who owns my gym, Mike, he says to me all the time, he says, Matt, if God needs a day off, so do you. And then in the Old Testament law, the ancient civil law of the Hebrew people that Moses penned thousands of years ago, God's people were commanded to take one day of rest every week. What'd they call it? They called it a a Sabbath. And Elijah, after an incredibly difficult and tumultuous, politically charged, religiously chaotic season of being scared and stressed and anxious and isolated and depressed and even suicidal, what did he do? Well, he got away, he got fueled. And he got some rest. And if you are going through a sour season, well, you might need a doctor. Or you might need to change some things. You know, sometimes God allows hard times in our lives to get our attention and change our lives. So you might need to make some major changes. But it's quite possible you just need some rest. Listen to what Jesus says, and and this is a paraphrase from the message, a paraphrase of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. These are the words of Jesus. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When life is sour, trust God. When life is sour, obey God. When life is sour, rest in God. Now for our takeaway today, I wanna share something I heard from Pastor Rick Warren years and years ago, and it really fits with the D in our discipleship path here at FCC, daily time with God, but he takes this idea and he expands it through the whole year, and this is what he says, and so here it is. These are three things necessary to rest in God. Number one, divert daily. 
You need a pause moment every day in your life to spend time with God, just to breathe deep, to meditate on his words and to rest in him. Divert daily. Number two, withdraw weekly. You need at least one day every week committed to God and committed to rest. Number three, abandon annually. Find a way to get away the entire grind of life for at least a few moments every single year. You know, life can be very good, amen? But life can also be sour. Daily time with God, weekly time for worship, an annual time away from everything else can make the sour seasons just a little bit sweeter. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to you and to rest. You call us to live lives that honor you and you do some incredible things through us and you call us to do incredible things for you and for others. But you also call us to rest and I pray that you would help us develop rhythms in our lives that ease our burdens and help us to rest in your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.